0: everyone and welcome back to the arena. I am your host and League Commissioner Jolly by Nature and with me today is one third of the hosts of the Science of Pokemon podcast, uh, one third of the brain trust behind your Scienceville Incineroars. It's our good buddy Fisherman Don. Uh, Don, how you doing tonight?
1: Uh, doing pretty well. Doing good. Just uh, excited to talk about some playoff matches.
0: Yeah, it's been super-duper exciting. I mean, again, this is our first season, this is our first playoffs, uh, and I think everybody was kind of on the, the tips of their toes waiting to see how this first round of matches would go down. Now, Don, this isn't the first time that we've had your show represented here on the show, but this is your first time guesting. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the science of Pokemon?
1: All right, yeah, so um, I'll start off with the science of Pokemon. I'm uh, not nearly as long a host. As uh, Lucas Matar, um, they actually I first heard of them when they posted in Discord looking for an assist coach for this, and um, I was like, oh, you know, that'd be kind of fun. I actually thought it was cause it was in a VGC Discord, so I thought it was for a VGC draft league originally, <laughs> but then they mentioned it was singles. I was like, yeah, you know, what the hell? Why not? I've enjoyed. I used to play a lot of singles, and then before it really the tournament started, we learned or kind of they kind of learned that I work. As a uh, biologist doing invasive species control in Florida, which kind of fit pretty well in the Science of Pokemon podcast. And then I joined on as a host right around when this tournament started, actually, and since have been a, a regular member of the podcast.
0: That's really awesome, man. Like, I'm I'm glad that, you know, we, we launched the UPPL project to bring like our shows closer together to to foster more of a a community and to build cooperation amongst our, our different shows and communities. Uh, And it's awesome that like that took off for you guys, like in a much more literal sense, I think than anybody else, like, you know, you guys gained not only a greater you know knowledge of and appreciation of the other shows in the community, but your show actually directly gained the talents and the expertise of, of another person. Uh, So that's really fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's been great. Um, I um I work alone outside most days, like in a boat. So um, the more podcast the better for me. So I've just really enjoy being exposed to all these everyone's podcasts.
0: Yeah, we've got some real good shows represented. I, I've certainly got no complaints about our roster. Your work sounds super duper interesting, dude. Uh, I I love marine biology. We make it down to you know I'm landlocked. I'm in the Midwest.
1: Oh, okay. You make
0: it down to Newport and the Aquarium, ideally at least once a year. My wife absolutely lives for, for marine life. So that's really awesome.
1: But um, yeah, I guess a little bit more about me. Um, I said I primarily play VGC, um, at least these days I have been. I um, played at the World Championships for the first time last year qualified mainly using a team that had um choice specs torkoal on it which is a thing that doesn't really work in singles <laughs> as far as i'm aware
0: not even a little bit i've actually ironically i've played almost no vgc but i did make a 17 team that was primarily built around Ranguru torkoal
1: yep my team was uh my 17 version of the team was orangaroo torkoal let's see if i remember it all tapu lele uh z conversion porygon z smeargle because you can't not use smeargle if you want to ha- be awful <laughs> and um i think a lifeform nealego to round out the roster and the Oranguru had iron barbs because it also had foul play so that you could foul play a snorlax in trick room after it belly drummed
0: that is really really fantastic tech Oranguru is great for for that kind of of tech, I don't know if you probably have seen this because you hang out in in uh, VGC corners of the internet. But somebody recently posted a showdown match where they were prepping for Ultra Series, and they ran a synchronized Orangaroo. with the uh, the safety goggles to prevent rage powder from working. Right. It was with dusk main necrosma. Oh. It was uh, again. It was symbiosis uh, safety goggles necrozma had weakness policy
1: that's a semi-common set
0: and and the orangaroo used um brutal swing to activate it on turn one.
1: Oh, that's fun i like that
0: passed its uh its its goggles over to the necrozma and then the necrozma uh sunsteel striked into uh, a geomancy xerneas it was it was brilliant
1: That's beautiful. I'll include
0: the link to that tweet in the show notes, so this is not just me rambling about one god tier VGC play, so you can all enjoy it.
1: (laughs) That sounds like the. sometimes side events and major tournaments will be best of one instead of best of three, and that sounds like the sort of thing I might need to bring to a best of one event. Oh,
0: yeah, that's not something that would win you a best of three, but just on ladder for funsies on Showdown or at a best of one, yeah, that's going to put the shock on somebody. Yeah. All right, guys, well, this is the quarterfinals round of the playoffs of the united podcasters pokemon league season one and what a quarterfinals round it was if this round was any indication we are in for a wild ride uh, across the next couple weeks of playoffs uh, we had two matches scheduled for this week which were our six-seeded Chan Metacham taking on our third-seeded nimbasa city of mulga as well as our fifth-seeded Twin City Torterra taking on our fourth-seeded Lavender Town Gengar. Uh, Now, starting with the match that happened first, uh, just chronologically, we had uh, Professor Snag of Pokemon Rollouts and Puckle and his Chan Medicham taking on Professor Mikey of Pokemon Crossroads and his Nimbasa City Amolga. Uh, The Medicham to this match brought a roster consisting of their Tapu Koko, Niddo Porygon 2, Mega Latios, Jellicent, and Alolan Raichu. No Celestela this week, which is wild, you guys. I think this is literally the first week all season that Paul has not brought the Celestela. On the other side of the field, the Amolga brought a roster this week consisting of their Gliscor, Kartana, Volcanion, Scrafty, Zeraora, and Mega Altaria. Pretty standard stuff for the Amolga, except for that Mega Altaria. They actually haven't brought their Mega very often this season, so I was a little bit surprised to see that.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I can kind of see, I think, what Snag was going for with not bringing the Celestila. We've seen Mikey really enjoying that Zero Aura, which Celestila is not really a fan of, especially since he's got the Coco that's only going to make Zero Aura even scarier. And um, Volcanion comes pretty often, too. And uh, both of those are pretty, pretty rough for Celestila to deal with. And even something like a Cartana, barring Flamethrower, it, like, they really just can't do a lot to each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is very, very true. In their first regular season matchup, Mikey was able to force Celesteel out pretty reliably with the combination of Volcanion and Zeriora. So that's very, very true. Although I was half expecting to see some crazy tech, like an automatized Earthquake set. Yeah. But it didn't come. It didn't come, which is, again... Wild, uh, but but also good. Like, you don't want to be too predictable, especially in playoffs. Uh, and so that's a, when you look at a mon that you brought every week in the season and go, do I really need it this week? Uh, so clearly that's what Snag did. Now, the Metacham in this match led out with Nidoqueen against the score Uh Mikey beat a hasty retreat, and rightly so. He correctly anticipated the ice beam from the Nidoqueen. I'm guessing, actually, there was a knockoff, so I could go back and look and see what Nidoqueen's item was.
1: It was a life orb, if that's what you're wondering.
0: Okay, it was a, it was an orb Nidoqueen. Then I'm honestly a little bit surprised that uh, Snag stayed in with the possibility of just a turn one Earthquake out of that glide score. Although he'd probably run the calcs and he probably lived it. That was probably just a sack he was willing to make.
1: Yeah. One thing I noticed, Um, and this is total guess shot in the dark here, I noticed that Snag was running a mixed Nidoqueen with Poison Jab over Sludge Bomb. So, um... I'm guessing maybe he could have gone with. Um, I mean, he could have easily. So I'm doubting he went with like a modest. So maybe he went like minus speed and just had a lot of bulk to back that up. So I could I could see him staying on the glide score. Just assuming that he went that
0: route. Yeah, that's definitely very very possible. Uh, but yeah, Mikey did retreat out uh, and. Beat the ice beam went right into the Scrafty, which which took it pretty well. Scrafty and Queen actually both stayed in. The Queen managed to get rocks up, uh, and they just kind of slugged it out back and forth. Scrafty ultimately won that exchange, but not particularly well. Uh, at the end of it, Nidoking went down, and Scrafty was way down in the red.
1: I did like how Mikey, even though the ice a second ice punch or a third ice punch would have taken out the Queen he went for the knockoff, sort of you know hoping Snag would. Do want to preserve the Nidoqueen and he's trying to catch a switch in?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one thing that Mikey's roster just in general does really well with the Scrafty and with the Zeraora, is just having lots and lots of threats to threaten knockoff with. Uh, and removing items can be so detrimental over the course of a match. Uh, so ultimately... The Nido queen went down, Scrafty was low, Snag went into Tapu Koko, and Mikey swapped hard into Glyscore. Snag either predicted this or just kind of lucked out. He went for the Dazzling Gleam and followed it up with an HP Ice, so he was able to remove Gliscor with the two-hit KO pretty much on the switch-in. Glyscore didn't get a, a shot off. Mikey threatened the Coco out with Zeraora, which is something we saw in their first matchup, that ironically 1v1 Zeraora does win that matchup, but Latios was able to get in and get a Dragon Dance up as it threatened the Zeraora back out. Uh, this was a huge threat, and at this point, Momentum was definitely swinging in the Metacham's favor.
1: Uh, I will chime in right there real quick and say that um, Mikey did make a really nice read there, um, close combating with Zero Aura into the uh, Coco, and he did catch Porygon 2 on the switch in initially.
0: That is true, yes. I'm sorry, there was a switch into Porygon 2 in the middle there, and it did catch a close combat, which was a phenomenal play by Mikey. You're you're absolutely correct. But yeah, Latios was able to get a Dragon Dance up. Um, Zero was forced out back into Scrafty, and that Latios took out the Scrafty pretty handily. Uh, And Mikey sent out his Mega Altaria. Now... Clearly this was teched because Altaria was able to live an ice beam from the Latios, but only by a thread and was then able to remove that huge threat with a return, a pixelate return, uh, which again, was huge for this match because if Altaria had gone down there, Latios would have just swept at that point. There was no stopping. Yeah. It. So being able to put a roadblock in front of that thing, even if it cost your mega uh, was definitely the correct play. Uh, Jellicent then came out and was able to finish off the Altaria. Now this right here, Altaria goes down. This is the turning point of the match. In my opinion. Oh, I agree. Stag has a half health Jellicent, a half health Porygon 2, a Tapu Koko and an Alolan Raichu in the back, both of whom are incredibly frail. Mikey sends out his Scarfed Kartana, which outspeeds the field. Unless, Unless that Alolan Raichu is Scarfed, that is the only thing that could have even possibly outsped the Kartana at this point. If Mikey had clicked Leaf Blade, it KO'd any one of those Pokemon and would have snowballed and he could have potentially secured the sweep. In my opinion, at least. I don't know the spreads. Maybe something would have lived it by a hair. Maybe Snagged teched that really well. But I'm pretty sure with Porygon being as low as he was, it would have been a two-hit KO. I, and I don't think he would have been able to take out Cartana in those two turns.
1: Yeah, I actually ran a calc after that, that turn because I was curious myself. And assuming it's you know, standard uh, scarf of Cartana, he would have done about 30 like mid thirties percent. So easily would have two hit KO'd the Porygon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was real, real scary. Unfortunately for Mikey, he did not click the leaf blade. He actually went for a night slash. I'm honestly not sure of the logic on that play. I, My guess is that it was playoff jitters. Maybe he forgot that the Jellicent was a water type and just went for what looked like the super effective move. I'm honestly not sure, but in hindsight, it was definitely a a misplay. Snag went into the Porygon 2 and ate that Night Slash super duper well uh, and was able to recover and at that point, the momentum was just firmly in Snag's corner. Uh, that Porygon 2 was just something that Mikey could not break once it got a recover off. And it was running foul play, which is a great bit of tech against that Kartana. Uh, Porygon 2 was actually able to remove Zeraora and Kartana back to back. Another stellar performance for this standout Pokemon on the Metachams roster.
1: Oh yeah, um, that Porygon 2 right there gave me some... Uh... So a little bit of VG-17 flashbacks with that just absolute wall and uh, foul play showing up, which... Was an occasional tech back then for Belly Drum Snorlax.
0: <laughs> that, that good, good digital Cresselia.
1: <sighs> it's so fat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is stupid fat with the Eviolite. Light. At this point, all Mikey had left was his Volcanion. Uh, Jellicent came in and, and just walled it out, toxicked it, and let it go down. Uh, and that was all she wrote. Uh, Professor Snag picked up that big underdog win here in the quarterfinals for nothing with Tapu Koko, Jellicent, Alolan Raichu, and that fat Porygon 2 remaining this was a really great match we knew it was going to be a really great match coming in again Mikey was definitely the favorite he had the better record on the season he won their match in the regular season but Snag had more experience on the season and I think that definitely showed in the final result
1: yeah I think so I think both players did play a really good game and um like up until that one turn it really was everyone's game and uh, Mikey, just as a player, like throughout the season has really just made incredible gains in terms of his his level of play.
0: Yeah. Now, I, w- I did reach out to both of our competitors in this match and kind of ask them for their thoughts and their comments. Professor Snag of the MetaCham states uh, that Mikey has had a great season that's totally undeniable. Um, he does say that there were a few matches that he could have prepped harder for, or maybe didn't play his best. And he feels like his week 10 match against the Amolgas was really one of those matches. Uh, him and his assistant coach, Claude nine prepped hard this time around and had a few plans to play with. Uh, and he feels like he was able to step up his game really hard when he realized that both Cartana and Zariora were choice. Uh, this allowed him to make some bold predictions with the Porygon too. He says, Mikey played well for the most part, but, but ultimately he was able to pull it off uh, and that he is looking forward with some trepidation uh, to the semifinals round and to your science villain Cineroars next week. But again, he states that he feels like that's another match that he didn't necessarily play his best in, in the regular season. And he's looking forward to a chance at uh, some redemption for that loss. That's going to be a good one. I'm certainly looking forward to watching it.
1: Oh, I am too. I'm starting to prep for that now. I'm excited for it. We're starting to really look hard at his team. He's got, stack's got a really scary team.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's super scary on paper. Like I my eyebrows went up through the roof. I've talked about this more than once. Uh when he dropped Mega Khan. I had to be talked into allowing Mega Khan, and the fact that it sat undrafted in free agency for most of the season is just baffling to me. But I mean, there's no denying the results and the results are that he has an incredibly threatening roster that gels really really well.
1: He's got a, a lot of really nice speed on his team, too.
0: Yeah yeah the speed tiers are very evenly spread like there's there's not there's no good breaks to exploit which is really really important Exactly Yeah now, I also reached out to to Mikey of the Emolga, and his comments were essentially just that he feels like he probably could have done better, mostly during prep rather than during play. He knew that Snag was going to change things up for this match and, and felt like he had to do the same, but ultimately that led him to bring some sets that he was less comfortable with. And in hindsight, he maybe wishes that he was a little bit more predictable, but a little bit more in his own wheelhouse, which is is certainly understandable. A- again, like he, he goes on to say that he feels like the choice items, particularly on Zariora, were a mistake because they're too limiting. I don't know that I personally agree with that assessment. Like they're really potent tools, but if you're not comfortable with them, that's definitely a problem. And I would certainly agree that if you're not comfortable running a choice band set, you probably shouldn't do that.
1: Um yeah, I can I can agree with I can agree with like I get like where Mikey's stance is there. Like it's especially in like a multiple games against the same opponent scenario, you really have a lot of pressure to to innovate your sets, because you know, you're like, well I won last time, but he's gonna know what I have this time. And it's really hard sometimes to strike the balance between, you know, changing enough up to not be too predictable, but also having the consistency with what you're most comfortable with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, Mikey does say that, that he's very happy for and proud of Snag, that he played really, really well, uh, that he's really proud of what he accomplished in his first draft and really his first experience with competitive video game Pokemon, uh, and that he's looking forward to season two. And we're looking forward to having you back for season two, Mikey.
1: Oh, absolutely. And Mikey, I know we talked earlier about just doing a friendly match. Um, Yeah, hit me up sometime this week if you want to play one, man. (laughs) I'm I'm excited. You played Lucas last time. I'm really looking forward to playing you.
0: Yeah, I told Mikey he had to wait until my season was over to get mine. So he's going to be prepping for me for the next, hopefully, like three weeks while I'm prepping for other matches. Uh, Hopefully I'm not done. Now, our other match in the semifinals round was, of course, my co-host on Blastburn Radio, Messer Engine, and his Twin City Torterra taking on the number four seeded uh, Thatch of Puckle Podcast in his Lavender Town Gengar. Uh, in their regular season matchup, Thatch came out the better. Uh, and by a pretty significant margin, he brought some spicy tech that clearly caught Mess off guard. But the same tricks were not going to work twice. Mess is a very intelligent opponent, and he definitely prepped hard for this one. Now, the Torterra into this match brought a roster consisting of their Primarina, Lander therian Mega Tyranitar, Ferrothorn, Reuniclus, and for the first time on the season, their Dusknoir.
1: Which was I was I like Dusk Noir. It's weird stomach mouth creeps me out, but I think it's cool, and I was uh, I was really excited to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like again, there's there's a lot of messes roster that hasn't seen much, if any, use on the season. I think a lot of that just has to do with how busy the guy is uh, and how little prep time he can scrape together sometimes. So I was really excited to see him trying out some new and different toys. Now Thatch and the Gengar on this match brought a roster consisting of their Sarina, their Mega Gyarados, their Drapion. Arcanine, Dodrio, and Kyurem Black. I was really surprised to see so many low-tier Mon in this particular roster. Not that they're bad low-tier Mon. Don't get me wrong. Thatch did an incredible job drafting a team full of viable threats. We, we talked about that last week, as a matter of fact. But I just... You know, you've got, in this particular roster, what? Two Ds and an E in Sarina, Drapion, and Dodrio? And I, that's just a little bit lower than I expected in the dip.
1: Yeah, I mean... The Drapion makes sense, especially after how horrifying some of Mess's later uh, matches were with that Reuniclus getting set up. Yeah, um, if I <laughs> if I had a dark type on my team, I would definitely bring it against Mess with that monster of a Squishy Boy.
0: Yeah, that Reuniclus definitely put everyone on notice the last two weeks of the season, and I'm sure that was definitely the logic in that particular bring. Um, And actually, as a matter of fact, Mess led out with Reuniclus against Thatch's Drapion, which is definitely not a matchup that was favorable. In fact, I'm sure it was the matchup that brought the Drapion to begin with, and Mess quickly retreated from it into Ferrothorn. I was expecting a pursuit, and it didn't come.
1: Yeah, as was I there.
0: Yeah, which was a little surprising. But I mean, at the end of the day, four move slot syndrome is definitely a thing. And this Drapion was definitely teched out against Mess's team. Oh, yeah. Thatch was happy to capitalize. His Drapion was running Fire Fang, speaking of that that tech, uh, and hit for right around half of Ferrothorn's health, which is huge. Mess actually told me later that this was a max physical defense Ferrothorn, So it was max HP, max death. And this, this Drapion still hit it for half, which was a lot.
1: That's really impressive.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mess was able to protect for lefties on the following turn uh, before swapping out into Primarina, which was a great play. He ate that fire hit super well and threatened in return with Moonblast. Thatch brought his Sarina out into the Moonblast, but Sarina couldn't handle it for, for less than half health and was ultimately two shot by it. So just got boom, boom, removed as soon as it came out. Thatch must have seen something in that exchange that made him think that Primarina was choice. I'm not sure if it was the damage or the speed tiers, but he immediately brought his Arcanine out into Premarina, so he must have been confident that it couldn't swap out of that Moonblast.
1: Yeah, I mean Zarina can be very specially bulky if you build it that way. So, um, I mean, I don't know what his spreads were, but I could see see taking fifty percent over fifty percent being some sort of clue there.
0: Yeah, is pretty slow, too, so it's also possible that he speed crept it, and so when it outsped him, he knew, like, okay, this thing's scarfed. I, I really don't know. Yeah, how
1: fast is Primarina?
0: Primarina, that's a good question. It's pretty slow. That's by far its worst stat.
1: I think Sarina's like, 70-ish. Maybe even a little higher.
0: Primarina's base 60.
1: Yeah, Serena Space 72. Yeah,
0: so that must be it. It it, it must have been a speed tier thing. But yeah, ultimately, Thatch definitely predicted the choice item, went into the Arcanine. He knew that a Hydro Pump was not going to come his way, and he was very correct as Mess immediately swapped out uh, into his Lander Astarion. Uh, He took a huge Flare Blitz on the swap for more than half health, but got off a nice Intimidate on the physical Arcanine on the switch.
1: I would assume, just given off the damage at neutral, that that was probably a choice band Arcanine.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of damage, particularly at minus one. Mess immediately pivoted back into the Primarina. Uh, again, I'm guessing hoping for the Hydro Pump, but Thatch also pivoted to bring in his Dodrio. This is another turn that I think was really, really important on the match. Mess stayed in on Primarina in front of that Dodrio, took a huge Brave Bird for almost all of her health but lived it and removed the Dodrio with a Hydro Pump. Again, I think that was really, really important. Dodrio is so incredibly fast that looking at Mess's roster, there was nothing that he brought that could have even hoped to outspeed Dodrio. And and so I think that removing it was really, really key for how the rest of the match went down.
1: Yeah, and I'd imagine, I mean, he's got several things on his team that could have carried the Fly MZ. So maybe, maybe Dodrio didn't have it for this match
0: yeah i'm guessing that it didn't i'm not sure if it was a scarf or a banded variant again i haven't run the calcs on the damage that Primarina took
1: i mean there's a, ch- a chance that curam did because zarina does learn bounce as well as i've learned to my own sadness before <laughs> but we did see leftovers on that one
0: yeah 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 it- it's possible that curam was holding the z crystal it-, it definitely w- also spoilers was not gyarados this time around yeah gyarados actually came out into the pre-marina uh, mess swapped into lando one more time as Thatch dragon dance this was key as it kept his attack stat under control with intimidate Thatch went for a second dragon dance and mess landed a super effective u-turn for huge damage just over half on the bulky shrimp mess brought out ferrothorn but Thatch brought back some great tech from their first matchup he had taunt on that gyarados to keep pharaoh from being truly effective
1: Yeah, that taunt was a really nice bring. um, Not only for Pharaoh, but again, for that Reuniclus. Just um, really nice for just shutting that down, had that situation come up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mess actually has quite a few dangerous setup threats on his team, although most of them he hasn't run set up on the season. Uh, but just being able to outspeed most of them and just say, no, you're not doing that, uh, I think is, is really, really valuable. Mess heart-swapped back into the Lando, getting off one more Intimidate and bringing it back down to neutral attack, uh, eating a crunch, and finally going down. But what a performance for Lander Therian in this match. Hands down, in my opinion, the MVP of this particular...
1: Oh, 100%. Intimidate, too, is just... It's such a good ability, especially on something like Landris.
0: Yeah, it's stupid good. Mess ultimately went back into Fairthorn, and Thatch swapped out into Arcanine to threaten, uh, which I think was definitely the right play at plus two speed, but neutral attack. It was just going to take huge damage from Gyro Ball, and it wasn't going to be able to set up in front of Farrowthorn anymore. Um, so again, Lando did exactly what Mess needed him to do. Farrow protected once again to scout, and then we had a double swap turn with Mess going out into his Noir and Thatch going back into the Drapion. Now, that fat Dusk Noir was easily able to live a Night Slash uh, and burn the Drapion with Will O Wisp, and apparently that was just the opening that Mess was looking for. Uh, he brought his Tyranitar out onto the burned Drapion, Mega Evolved, and set up a Dragon Dance, which is the first sweeping set Mess has run on Tyranitar all season. Uh, he was able to eat a quad effective Brick Break easily after the burn, and with a plus one plus one, Tyranitar was able. Able to just clean thatch's clock essentially sweeping what remained of thatch's team with four stone edges obviously if one had missed that could have gone very bad but in this case they did not
1: that was the most amazing part of the match not um for me personally as someone who has a deep pathological hatred of low accuracy moves and recognizes their necessariness but avoids using them when i can hitting four stone edges in a row like I, I was in awe of that alone.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was pretty great. But I mean, honestly, even after the first two, at that point, I think momentum had swung too far. Even if titar had missed one and had gone down in the process, I think that Mess had the tools he needed at that point to sweep up. Uh, but titar did the job by himself, Messer Engine winning a huge upset victory in this matchup, 5-0, with only Landorus Therian going down.
1: Yeah, that was a just a wonderfully played set bio mess there you really could tell that the second he got that will-o-wisp off he knew his game plan and he knew his win con
0: yeah yeah absolutely he definitely put in the work this week and that definitely showed in the outcome now once again i did reach out to our competitors uh thatch didn't have much to say about this matchup uh he just says that mess played genuinely better uh he played a really good game and and he doesn't feel bad losing when his competitor plays that well uh he's looking forward to the rematch next season we're all i think looking forward to that rematch next season it'll it'll definitely be a good one. Oh yeah Uh, Messer Engine, on the other hand, when asked about his match, he says that Thatch was a really intimidating opponent that he stomped him in the regular season. So he was dreading this match more than a little. And that definitely showed in the amount of preparation that he brought in. He says, even though he won, Thatch still played a great game. And that Arcanine definitely put some fear into him. And Mess is very much looking forward to the semifinals. I don't know if I am. Mess just played very, very well. And he's up against me next. So maybe I wish he was coming in a little less hot. (laughs)
1: yeah it's it's the kind of thing where you you want to support but you also don't want to support them too much
0: sometimes (laughs) yep 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 that is that is definitely a thing i love you buddy i'm still gonna kick your butt if i can But yeah, guys, that is that is the quarterfinals round. It is done. We are saying farewell to the Gengars and the Amolgas for this season, uh, and we are looking forward to our semifinals round. Uh, now, once again, quick reminder, we are doing our playoff brackets NFL style, which means that the higher-seeded of the advancing teams will face myself and my Ninjasks, and the lower-seeded team will face you, Don, and your Incineroar. Uh, this means that our semifinals brackets consist of the Scienceville Incineroar taking on on the Chan Metacham at the number six seed, and my number two seeded Naptown Ninjasks taking on the number five seeded Twin City Torterra. Uh, let's start with with your match, Don. How are you feeling about your semifinals match against the MetaCham?
1: Honestly, I mean, I've, he's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of Pokemon on his team. Snag does that really sort of demand your respect. In addition to just himself as a player, um, he's been playing really well recently, especially like just given. I don't want to, I don't want to go too deep into matchup stuff. But um, Charizard Y has this thing where it doesn't like fast electric types.
0: <laughs> that doesn't like good Zappy Boys and Rocks. No, not at all.
1: No, it does not. And um, he's got a couple of those. So uh, that's definitely something we're watching out for going into it. And I know last time we played, I think he underestimated exactly how much damage a, a modest Charizard Y could push up, put out in that match. And um, he did like just kind of let his stila stila take a flamethrower and um i i really doubt he's going to do that again and stila is always a frustrating thing to deal with
0: yeah yeah absolutely um i mean again it's it's really funny, actually, because I was just looking at your rosters and kind of thinking about this matchup earlier, and I was just like, you know, oh, man, I wonder if there's some part of these guys that actually regrets getting rid of Guzzlord now, because that Latios is such a threat, and now there's nothing that can really eat those psychics. But then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, but he's a dragon, too. He just would have got Draco'd. So <laughs> there, there is no good answer there, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, Latios is a, it's a very scary mon, and it's got you know, just enough versatility that you really can't be 100% sure what's going on until it might be too late.
0: Yeah, it can't it can't account for everything in one set, but it can potentially run coverage for anything. And that's something that definitely demands respect. I, I mean, again, you guys are certainly no slaps though. You haven't lost yet on the season. There's been a couple of close calls, but you pulled it out every single time. So I don't think anybody can sleep on, on what the Incineroar are bringing to the table. It's going to be really interesting though. Snag has a different roster than when you guys faced off in week three. So this is definitely not going to be a mirror match of last time, no matter how it goes down. Exactly. Now, for our other match, myself against Messer Engine, um, I mean, obviously, there's... There's a lot to be afraid of in Mess's roster. Um we've we've been over a lot of that stuff recently. Reuniclus is always a huge problem. Uh Mega Tyranitar is a colossal threat. Venomoth. Again, you can never sleep on Venomoth. Not in draft.
1: Do not do not sleep on the Moth.
0: <laughs> there's just there's so much. And obviously, as he showed this week, you know, I gave Pre Marina Mess's MVP in our recap episode last week. And clearly I was right because Pre-Marina put in huge work this week. Uh Landris there's just there, there's so much here, that has to be accounted for. I feel like my roster matches up favorably, like, I have some really good and versatile threats. And again, I changed it up recently just so nobody could just look back at our last matchup and say, well, this is how it went. Let's let's bring this, let's bring that, because it's not the same team, guys. I got different stuff. And that was really about ninety percent of the reason that I did it. So <laughs> I can't
1: say we didn't do it for a similar reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's just if you have the moves at the end of the season, it's just good it's just good prep, right? But I feel like I've got some some good strong answers. Um I really like Rotom Wash against Mess's roster. He doesn't have a mold breaker and you know, it threatens a lot of things that and mess is going to have difficulty breaking through it so that's really really nice yeah but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do my very best against messer engine i might not win this one not if he comes as hot as he came this week uh ferrothorn is obviously a, a huge concern i gotta figure out how i'm gonna break it and for that matter he could bring an offensive pharaoh this week he could bring choice band wall breaking pharaoh and just screw me right up just just with surprise factor that's been getting run on upper ladder lately that's wild Again, there's clearly a niche for it. I I don't know, man. I definitely can't sleep on this man's creativity. He's got strong threats. I've just got to figure out what the heck I'm gonna bring to counter him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's definitely got. He's got. He's got a nice roster. Really like well rounded, and kind of like you said about the Ferrothorn. Just a lot of his roster can really. They said be just versatile enough that you don't know what's going to happen until it's already happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The only thing that I think is really like immediately apparently in my favor, just looking at our rosters, is the speed tiers. Mess does not have a particularly fast team. His fastest option is actually Lander Asterian, whose speed is middling at best.
1: Isn't Silvali 95? Or am I wrong here?
0: Um, maybe Silvali is a hair faster, but he doesn't have anything that breaks 100, certainly. Yeah. Whereas on on my team, I have.
1: Oh, Scolo is a speedy boy. Oh Yeah,
0: Scolo is super speedy once he gets a boost up. Absolutely. um But yeah, I mean, Mew, Mew is base one hundred, and so is is pretty capable of putting in work as a fast threat in this matchup. We've got a number of threats that should outspeed him. Uh, Mega Gallade is, I think, base one ten.
1: Which I liked that pickup a lot. I'm a big fan of Mega Gallade and his dual
0: disc. <laughs> Mega Gallade is again. Mega Lopini, definitely, definitely better on Ladder, but Mega Gallade has a lot more coverage options, and that felt compelling, because there were a number of times through the season that I was just like, yeah, Lopini's great, but I feel like I'm bringing the same set every week, because that's just what Lopini does.
1: Yeah, I, I really want to use Mega Gallade. I, I've messed around with him a little bit in uh, VGC, but uh, Ultra Series right now, there's um a lot of Lunala and a lot of Xerneas, which Mega Gallade does not. Particularly,
0: enjoy. yeah, he's not a fan. He can shadow sneak the Lunala, I guess, for for the fat lot of good that'll do.
1: <laughs> exactly for yeah. that wonderful cancerous ability that is shadow shield.
0: Oh, yep, 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 yep. But yeah, guys, that is that is our semifinals round. We're super excited to bring those matches to you. And I will be right back here next week bringing you the rundown of those matches with another one of our competing coaches. I think maybe Mess, if we can make the scheduling work, I think I'll bring Mess on. It's been longer since we had him on than any of the rest of you guys. But yeah, so so look forward to that. Uh, look forward to hearing all about our next set of matches as we head towards the finals and our UPPL championships where we will crown our first ever season champion but that's going to be it for for this week guys that is all the matches we had uh don thank you so much for coming on if our listeners want to check you and the things that you make out where can they find you around the web
1: all right um yeah thanks for having me um you can check us out we have um i think we're shifting our name to pokey science instead of the science of pokemon so um uh game freak can't sue us ever <laughs> So um, I believe you can go to, or it's the Pokemon Science on Twitter for the Science Pokemon podcast. And uh, we're also on iTunes and all that good stuff. And we have a Patreon now as well
0: awesome very good very good now as always you can follow me personally at BBR jolly on twitter if you're of a mind to not a whole lot interesting goes on there but i maybe it'll be fun who knows um you, <laughs> you can and you should follow the league at official uppl on twitter we'll keep you up to date on what we're doing all around the web and as always uh i every week am on Blastburn radio podcast where we do some nuzlocke gameplay we do some role playing we have a good time we bemoan the lack of sword and shield and news uh for months and months like i'm i'm ready for new trailers uh,
1: it's gotta be soon
0: it's gotta be soon i was i was so hopeful for the april coro coro and they were just like nope <laughs> you get you get a steel type move that's that's your gen 8 news fantastic <laughs>
1: It's gonna be, yeah it's gonna be something like that.
0: Uh, but yeah, um, be sure to check out Blastburn Radio Podcast where you can find new content for me every week. And if you enjoy Blastburn Radio or the UPPL Battlespot or any of the other cool stuff that we make, you can support us with a small monthly donation over at patreon.com slash challenge accepted media. Uh, we really appreciate all the patrons who support our work and allow us to make more cool Pokemon stuff. And you can begin earning exclusive rewards like early access to some of our content. If that's compelling to you, uh, that's a thing that you can get. Uh, but that's going to be it for us tonight guys Uh, as always thank you so much for listening i have been jolly by nature and i will see you guys on the battlefield The United Podcasters Pokemon League and the UPPL Battlespot Podcasts are a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste the Lost, and Messer Engine. If you enjoy UPPL, Blastburn Radio, or any of our other projects, you can support us at patreon.com slash Media. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Game Freak, Nintendo, and the Pokemon Company. Opening and closing music for today's episode is the Pokemon X and Y Super Training Remix by Glitch X City. You can check out this great track and all her other work on SoundCloud or YouTube at Glitch X City. Design work for UPPL was provided by Wise Digital Designs. You can check out all his great work or contact him for commissions on Twitter at Wise digi Designs. The United Podcasters Pokemon League and its producers and coaches are solely responsible for its content.